Hello, thank you for tuning in once again to our podcast here. And uh, today we are recapping our lesson and our message from last night, talking about the story of Ruth. You have to excuse my voice. I lost it and I had this, excuse me, this head cold and I'm getting over it now, but my voice is struggling to come back. So please uh, bear with me today. And uh, But I'm excited to be with you sharing the story of Ruth, continuing here in our series uh, from the book of Ruth, going verse by verse through uh, this just jam-packed, uh, action-packed portion of Scripture. And so today we're going to be in Ruth chapter 1, verse number 19 is where we'll start. The Bible says, So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. So just to recap a little bit, maybe fill you back in if you haven't been with us on uh, Thursdays when we uh, post these episodes. Uh, but you have the story of Ruth and, uh, and Naomi and Elimelech and Malon and Chilion and Orpah are our main characters. And, and even those are kind of minor. Um, you have Elimelech. He's the father, the patriarch of the family. And you have Naomi. She's the matriarch. She's the mother, wife of Elimelech. And then you have Malon and Chilion. They are their sons. And uh, they leave the promised land. They leave Bethlehem in Judah and go to Moab trying to get trying to escape the famine that is in Judah at the time. And we know the picture that uh, this represents, and that is leaving the promised land, going to a wicked place where they don't worship God. And uh, we know from Deuteronomy, I believe chapter 11, uh, that God says that as long as his people are worshiping only him, uh, then he will bless them. Well, we know that Judah had gotten away from that, and uh, so there was a famine in Judah. So they leave the promised land. Instead of making it right with God, trying to turn people back to God, in Judah they say, we're going to get out of here, look for greener pastures somewhere else. They take the long, hard journey to Moab, where Elimelech, Malon, and Chilion all die in short order. And But they don't die before Malon and Chilion take wives. The Bible says their names are Ruth and Orpah. Orpah stays home. She goes back to her family there in Moab. And Ruth tells uh, uh, Naomi, don't even ask me to leave. I'm staying with you, and uh, there's nothing you can do about it. And so uh, that's kind of just a, a brief recap of where we're at. Obviously, lots of uh, truth and some implications that we can draw from Scripture um, from the first uh, the first 18 verses of Ruth chapter 1. So go back and listen to those if you uh, have not heard them. However, today we're starting off there what we read just a moment ago. Ruth and Naomi start off on the long journey back to Bethlehem. And we know from history, from scholars, that that journey from Moab back to Bethlehem would have been grueling. It would have been mostly uphill uh, the entire way. And uh, just just a hard journey, a reminder of the mistakes that uh, Naomi had made uh, to lead her to Moab. And so this is not to imply that the journey back to God is hard. But when we leave God, we pick up baggage, we pick up sin, we pick up uh, things that we shouldn't have. And so it, it is hard to get rid of those things 
And uh, but God always says, you know, come on home. We'll fix it when you get back home. Right. So Ruth and Naomi leave Moab and return to Bethlehem uh, where when they get there, the people are kind of shocked to see Naomi. And uh, it it seems like they don't really recognize her. They they see her and they're like, is this Naomi? And uh, back in these small towns in their days, really Bethlehem was was really just a, a large village. And so it's a more communal life. Everybody kind of works together. If a village loses a family with three grown men, and uh, it is really felt, uh, maybe more so than it is today with our, you know, our, our internet society. And so, uh, plus they would have remembered Naomi certainly. And uh, so you wonder, kind of, if they, and the Bible doesn't speak to this, but you wonder if they knew about Elimelech and Malon and Chilion that they that they had died. And uh, I wonder if if they knew about their fate in Moab. And, uh, but the Bible makes it clear that they were excited to see Naomi again. And they could see the wisdom on her face, so to speak. They could see the wrinkles, uh, you know, and not laugh lines, you know what I mean? And, uh, and they could see that her hair was maybe a little more gray. So they're asking, is this the same Naomi that, uh, that left us not that long ago? And she answers them you know, pretty strangely, not in a, in a really normal way. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. She answers a question that everyone was wondering, right? What happened in Moab? Where are Elimelech and Malon and Chilion? What happened in Moab? She says, don't call me by my name, call me Mara, which means bitter for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. This time in Moab was hard. They went through a lot. It was no vacation. She was not coming home victoriously with a trophy or her head held high. She had her tail between her legs, so to speak. She had her head down and not only no trophy, she no longer had her family. And so this is not a a homecoming that is victorious and everybody is is happy. Naomi is the ultimate realist. Uh, We are learning from this first chapter of Ruth. She acknowledges the source of her pain without trying to mask what is real. She knew that all these bad things that happened to her were not just happenstance. Losing her entire immediate family was not just bad luck or an accident. She believed in an almighty God that deals with his people. We know that God blesses and he judges his children in a way that only he can perfectly. Only God can do that. And we know from history, we know from our own personal lives that God is always just. And so when we mess up, there is recompense for our sin. And when, uh, when, uh, when we please God, when we honor God uh, with our lives, he blesses us. This is not to say that God doesn't bless sinful people because certainly he does. Uh, but God always meets out justice. And so she was not bitter at God. She understood why these hardships had come. She was saying that the Lord had dealt bitterly or really to the extreme with her. And uh, so uh, she recognized her sin. Leaving the promised land was a mistake. And she knew that nobody forced her to make that mistake. Uh, Her and Elimelech decided that for themselves. And so God uh, met them with justice there in Moab. All of us know people who have been through hard times, right? And uh, it's really neat when you get to meet someone who has been through those hard times and you get to discuss with them decisions that led up to those, uh, uh, you know, actions that they took that led them to the hard times. Uh, 
right? The mistakes that they made. And I've known people that have gone to prison and they get out and they're willing to talk about, you know, how they messed up and what led to uh, them going to prison. And, and it's a good opportunity for us to learn from them and take away, say, all right, we need to avoid these things at all costs, right? And so we're lucky if we know people like that and we can, uh, we can gain perspective from them. Now, it's easy to go through a hard time and be upset about it, right? We ask questions like, why would this happen to me? Uh, I haven't hurt anyone. How could God let this happen? Um, and uh, there's the age-old question, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the answer to that question is there are no good people, and uh, we all make mistakes. And so, you know, we could try our best and uh, do what we know to, to do uh, that's right. However, we still mess up, and there's still consequences for our sin, even though we are quote-unquote good people. And so when we ask those questions, I haven't hurt anyone. How could God let this happen? We hurt people all the time. We hurt God. We violate his commandment and uh, his law in scripture. So there is justice that is required. And uh, even, you know, if we say, we examine our lives and say, look, I have sin, but, you know, I'm trying to live for God. I'm doing, doing whatever I can to help point others to Jesus. Let me point you to another verse in Scripture. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul said, I have infirmities. I have imperfections. I have things others. He doesn't say exactly what it is, but we can relate to this, right? Some say that he had a, a gimp, right? He had a, a, a limp in his step. And uh, some say it was uh, just a disease, maybe something like cancer or whatever. But he said, I have an infirmity. And in the previous verses too, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul's saying, I've asked God that he would take it away from me so that I could serve him better. And he says, God knows, uh, God knows that I would be better for him taking away this infirmity. But however, <clears throat> he said that through his uh, uh, infirmities, the Lord told Paul that this infirmity, this imperfection will help Paul to understand that the Lord's grace is sufficient for him. The fact of the matter is, there doesn't always have to be a reason why God doesn't intervene. We we see poor people all the time. Go to Richmond. You go to a city, you can see homeless people. Uh, where I'm from in Portland, it's homeless people everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's just it's insane how many homeless people there are uh, in L.A. and in Portland and, and all these uh, major, these big cities. However, Paul says that his infirmities is what helps him uh, uh, is is what helps him understand that the Lord's grace is sufficient for him. So we don't always have the reason why God doesn't intervene. Maybe there's not a reason. Sometimes it's enough that God is enough, and this is a hard one to understand because we like to know why. We like to know why bad things happen to us, or why uh, you know you know these repercussions seem severe we like to know why and uh, but sometimes it's enough to know that god is enough naomi knew that this trouble that she was in was a result of choices that her and elimelech made so when we have the hard times it's important that we repent and come back to god with hat in hand so to speak understanding who he is and how he cares for us and it all starts with repentance let me encourage you today if you have something in your life that uh, is slowing you down. It's a uh, it's an infirmity of your own making, and it's a sin 
maybe that you haven't repented of, it's a, it's a perpetual mistake that we keep making. Give it to God. And uh, maybe you don't have a besetting sin right now. You don't have some in your life that, uh, that you can point to and, and say, this thing right here, if I could get rid of this, then I could do so much more. If you don't have something like that, just understand that we all make mistakes and that God requires repentance and that God is just. And so uh, there will be justice in our lives. And I thank God that Jesus is the mediator between us and God. And so when that justice is required at the end, right, when we go to heaven and we see God face to face and, uh, and you know, hypothetically God asks, why should I let you win? Jesus answers. He says, my blood covers uh, their sin. And uh, that is the, uh, the exact amount of justice that we need in our lives. And so uh, let me encourage you, and maybe if you never repented, repent before God. Say, look, I've, I've sinned and I want to make it right with you. And uh, live for God. Is, living for God is the best decision that you could ever make with your life. And uh, so uh, take, give it a chance. Live for God today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful day.